your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. And won. What's happening, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast, July 1st. 2020, that's right, it's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up, it's the first of the month. July 1st, 2020. This is how we get down here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Today's episode is being brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, super low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All you got to do is go to rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On Raiders sent you. So uh, I'll get to more about rockauto.com at the end of segment number one. But I want to get into the show and let you know what's coming up on today's show. Before I get into that, I want to shout out everyone for the continued support of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And it's funny, man, even through a pandemic, even through a very slow news cycle so much support for the podcast and we're still on pace to have record numbers for the year and uh, this podcast just continues to grow and grow and grow and that is all because 100% of you thank you so much for that I really do appreciate that again through a pandemic we're still kicking having shows every single day and having a lot of support a lot of interaction here on the Locked On Raiders podcast and I definitely thank you for that coming up on today's show in segment number three I got your calls and your texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast Voicemail line, you know the number, 707-654-4693. That's 707-654-4693. You can send a text or a voicemail. And if you want to send me a direct message on Twitter or just tweet at me, it's all good. Uh, you can always find a link to each and every show that I put out. I always uh, tweet out a copy of the link. So if you just want to go ahead and hit Twitter and then, boom, click on the link, it'll go right to uh, the current day's show. So uh, that's at, at your boy Q254 on Twitter. So coming up on today's show, like I said, it's calls and texts in segment number three. Segment number two, I was kind of going over my mind. I had a couple different topics that I wanted to talk about, which is funny because, again, it's a slow time of year. But still, a couple different topics that I wanted to, to talk about was wrestling through my mind. One, I wanted to talk about the trenches of the Raiders because in 2019, when the Raiders were doing really well and at one point in the season were 6-4, and four, I was putting out, I put out a show called They're Winning Because of What They're Doing in the Trenches, Offensive Line and Defensive Line. I thought about revisiting that and how it's upgraded in 2020, but... I called an audible. Kill, kill, kill. I called an audible because right now the hot subject is Cam Newton. And I had a lot of people call and text about the addition of Cam Newton to the Patriots. So I decided I'd go in another direction and I could save that that trenches conversation maybe for Thursday. Or at some point, I'll get to that conversation. Either way, not a big deal. Uh, it's another topic for another day. We'll be okay. But uh, I want to talk about... Uh, Cam Newton and, and what he means to the Patriots and uh, Mike DeBate hosts the Locked On Patriots. You've heard him on the podcast before. He was actually on my radio show on Monday, ESPN Central Texas, 
and we talked about the addition of Cam Newton, what it means to uh, to the Patriots. And so I'm not going to play the whole interview, but I have a couple quotes from him that I want to play and I want to talk about them and how it really, uh, to me, what it means for the AFC in, in general, because I know a lot of people say that that's bad news for the Raiders as far as their hopes of getting in the playoffs. I, for one, do not sign up for that. Some people do and think that he's going to be 2015 Cam Newton. I uh, want to see that first, and, and I was pretty adamant about that on Tuesday. But uh, either way you look at it, going to talk about Cam Newton. You'll hear some quotes from Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, in segment number two, and I'll talk about that. Then in segment number one, here in the segment number one, finish it off with uh, news and notes of the day as I do on the regular. So off top, let's talk about the NFL and the fact that teams may decide to fly in to their away games on game day. Now, this is a piece that I saw from uh, Pro Football Talk. That's Mike Florio and company. And uh, he said that the planning for the 2020 NFL season includes a revolutionary and very risky approach to traveling to road games. Per a league source, multiple teams intend to fly to and from road games on the day of the game. That is tough right there. That is really, really tough, Raider Nation. If you think in the past, all the different flying and all the different traveling that the Raiders have done uh, over the past seasons and how they're usually one of the most traveled teams, if not the most traveled team across the league. Could you imagine them getting up early on Sunday morning on game day and traveling to where they got to go? Now, obviously, that wouldn't work for overseas, but there are no overseas games in 2020. I just think that that would be a really, really big bear. And that's something that Peter King, he put that out there a couple months ago. And it's looking like it could become a reality. I just don't think it's a very good idea. I, I really don't. I just think that that's going to be uh, a lot of strain and a lot of wear and tear on the body of the players before they even hit the field. That's, I mean, you want to talk about, that's almost like going back to Division three type football, you know, or Division three type sports where you get up and, and you make that that long, uh, you know, that long road trip uh, that day and then go play the game and then get back on the, on, on the bus or get back on the plane and, and come back home. That's just going to be, man, that's going to be a bear. You imagine like the Raiders getting up on Sunday morning and flying to New York to go play the Jets. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a tough deal. Now, again, it's just something that's being floated out there. There's still so many uh, hurdles that have to be overcome before the 2020 season can even get underway. But the Raiders' first game is in Carolina. I can't see them jumping up on a Sunday morning, super early on the morning, Sunday morning, getting in the plane, going all the way to Carolina, and then having a 10 a.m. West Coast kickoff. I mean, do you imagine what, how early they'd have to get up? I think that you want to talk about jet lag and, and players just not – you want to talk about player safety – I just don't think that they'd even be in the right mind. And I'm not just talking about the Raiders. I'm talking across the league. I just don't think that teams would be in the right mind if they were able to, if they were doing that, uh, especially with early kickoffs. Now, if they were doing that and they were all playing night games, that'd be different. But if if they had early kickoffs and they had to get up super early, like 2, 3 in the morning, go to Carolina, I just, I don't look at that as a very, very good idea. But that's something that's being floated out there. And of course, it's only July 1st, so still a long way away before they actually make decisions on that. But that is something that's being floated out there. Uh, and so it's just something to kind of keep your eye on. Another piece of news, and I got some that I'm just going to have some quick hitters today here in segment number one. The Nevada governor has extended phase two of the state reopening till the end of July. He did this on Monday. He put out a tweet saying and a message saying, I signed a directive extending phase two of Nevada's reopening plan until the end of July. Consistent with my announcement last week, the extension is necessary due to trends in our COVID-19 data. 
Please remember to wear a face covering and practice social distancing. Also, warn possibilities of previous restrictions being put back into place if COVID-19 trends in the state don't improve. Why I bring that to the table? Because a lot of people have talked about fans in the stands. And it sounds like if things don't start to improve in the state of Nevada, you don't have to worry about fans in the stands because it sounds like a lot of restrictions are going to be put back in place. I told you last week about uh, Texas and Governor Abbott coming out and saying what he said and you know making, making restaurants go back from 75% to 50% and he put a hold on phase three. We're already in phase three in Texas and he put a hold on it saying, yeah, we're going to extend that through the end of July. We're not going to go any further just yet because, well, uh, all this COVID-19 is trending in the wrong direction. So he's putting a halt on that. Nevada's putting a halt and isn't even going into phase three. They're still extending phase two. So, I mean, if you're talking about, if you're worried about fans in the stands for football or even football being played at all, you have to hope that the state could continue to reopen. And so that has to do directly with the Raiders. Also on Monday, Adam M. Hardy. You can find him on Twitter at ahardy underscore 13. He's a builder from Mortensen Sports. Says that the construction of Allegiant Stadium, which the Raiders are supposed to be playing in, has hit the two-minute warning. They are, as we are hitting the 1st of, of July, officially about to wrap up construction. And now it's just a matter of weeks instead of months to get this thing completed. Completion date is supposed to be July 31st. So, I mean, this it's this month. At the end of this month, it's supposed to be all said and done. The stadium is supposed to be 100% complete. From all indications, it will be, but it's very, very exciting to know something that we've been talking about, something that we've kind of been seeing build and grow from the ground floor is just about done. Raider Nation, it is July 1st, and by July 31st, the end of this month, Allegiant Stadium should be 100% complete. Uh, another note that I have, uh, there's concerns about training camp and the fact that this is something that the NFLPA is floating out there. Social distancing is a concern with the 90-man roster, coaches, medical support staff. This comes from uh, Mike Jones on Twitter from USA Today. By Mike Jones is his Twitter uh, account. He's saying sources talk in NFLPA circles about proposing reduced roster sizes to 75 to 80 but unclear if it'll happen. Not all in favor since it means reducing job opportunities. But they're concerned with the social distancing with a 90-man roster, plus you have the coaches, plus you have the medical staff, the support staff, all that good stuff, all the people that'll be out there, they're worried about being able to social distance. So they're actually talking about reducing the training camp roster by up to 10 spots, maybe 75, maybe up to actually more than that. You know, it could be 75 to 80. That's 15 spots. That's a lot of jobs lost before they even get the opportunity to get on the field and show what they they could do. That's not a good sign for anybody who's an undrafted free agent. That's not a good sign for anybody who's a late a late uh, round pick or any of that. I mean, there's there's a lot of free agents that signed in the offseason. I mean, man, that's a lot of spots right there. Can you imagine that if they go from 90 to, say, 80? That's 10 spots alone. But if they were to go from 90 to 75 without ever even getting on the grass and showing what they can do, that is that is all bad. Uh, man, in, in a major way. So hopefully they don't do that. Uh, I just don't think that that would be right. I think that that's a, a bad look. I think they need to stay at 90, and it gives guys an opportunity to to at least earn a job if they if they can get out there and kind of showcase what, what they could do. It's already – the chips are already stacked against them just because, you know, they're at the, the end of the, the roster and they know that they may become a, a victim of number cuts when they cut down to 53 and 55. But, man, if you cut down to 75 before you ever get started, that's – that's a no-win situation right there. So uh, something to pay attention to as well. And my final note here for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast actually comes from Josina Anderson, formerly of ESPN, talking about Jadavion Clowney. And she said, I just got off the phone with free agent defensive end Jadavion Clowney. He told me at this time 
He intends to sign with the team before the season starts, if everything still goes on time with the season. Clowney also added, no, I have not narrowed down a final team. I'm still open. So to me, what that means is there's still no team that's out there willing to give him the kind of money that he wants, and he's going to be sitting. He also said that he's going to start, or he wants to sign before the season starts, which kind of concerns me because it makes me feel like he's probably open to missing training camp, which is not a good thing, especially for a guy like him who has had a lot of uh, injuries throughout his career. I never like it when the guys miss training camp, especially you know because they, they just seem like they always go down with the injury or something like that happens. I don't like that, so I would hope if he signs with a team, he would sign during training camp or before training camp so he can get as much work in as possible, especially this offseason, as is, is crazy as it is. And then uh, Josina goes on to say, it's my opinion from my phone conversation with Clowney just now, he remains confident about his value and worth and that interested teams have the ability to still pay. Regardless of the upcoming pandemic impact this season, I sense zero shift in that belief. Well, I'll tell you right now, if he still thinks he's going to get $18, 19 $20 million, he's not signing with anybody. He's going to have to humble himself, and he's going to have to lower his ex- expectations, in my opinion, down to at least $13 million. He gets $13 million on a one-year deal. I can see a team you know, going for it. That's what Seattle offered him. I think that that's reasonable for a guy who had three sacks, three total sacks, in 2019 and he's just not a guy that is a sack master he's just not and I'm sorry he's really good against the run but that doesn't always get the bills paid if you know what I mean so Jadavion Clowney at some point is going to have to humble himself and realize that he's going to have to get those stats to try to get those money the, the money that he wants and I just don't see it coming so Jadavion Clowney still comfortable with where he's at which is sitting at home I think multiple teams have reached out Seattle Tennessee the Jets uh, I know he said he would be interested in the Cowboys and the Saints, but I don't think that they would have real interest in him. I, I don't know who's going to pull the trigger on Clowney. Somebody's going to sign him, but they ain't going to sign him for no 18 19 or $20 million. So that's what I got for you. Segment number one, news and notes around the NFL and also having to do with the Raiders. Before I get into segment number two and talk about Cam Newton and what it means with him signing with the Patriots, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. They are the title sponsor of today's show. And I got to always tell you, they are a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. The website, rockauto.com. You can get auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you need, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, everything. I even heard a rumor, and I don't know if this is true. I heard that Ross Jackson from uh, Locked On uh, Saints, the host of Locked On Saints, you've heard him on this podcast before, uh, like someone stole his his uh, the tail, the lift, Whatever that, the gate, whatever it's called, someone stole it. And so he went to rockauto.com and got an extra part. I don't know if that's a real story or if that's really true, but I heard that somewhere. And I saw that, I read that somewhere, I believe, on Twitter. So uh, you might have to ask Ross about that. But I I think that that's actually what happened to him. And he was able to go to rockauto.com and actually get... Uh, the piece to or the part to replace that and so uh, anything you need if someone steals your, your tailgate you can get that replaced just like Ross did uh, simple as that their catalog is super easy to navigate through and all the parts available for your vehicle choose the brand specifications and the prices you prefer rockauto.com always super low prices same for professionals as ourselves do it yourself as that is so there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and you got to write locked on Raiders podcast in their how did you hear about us section so they'll know that I sent you it's it's really really easy amazing selection super low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com segment number two is on the way your locked on Raiders your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right Raider Nation here we are segment number two of today's locked on Raiders podcast on this July 1st 2020 
Your boy Q here, and I, I got to talk about Cam Newton because this is a subject, and I really didn't think it was a big deal when the Patriots signed him because I don't know who Cam Newton is. I don't know who the 2020 Cam Newton's going to be. I know he's fired up. I know he's upset because of the way that things ended in Carolina. I get that. But I just don't know, one, how much love he has for the game of football. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. I don't know how healthy he is. I know that one team, the New England Patriots, gave him a contract, and 31 other teams said, yay, thanks, but no thanks. That's what I do know. So I never thought of it as a big deal. Then we started getting calls on the Lockdown Raiders podcast voicemail line talking about, you know, that changes things for the Raiders. That's not a good look for the Raiders. And you guys all that have said that, and anyone who's thinking that you all could be 100% right I'm just kind of out there on that island where I don't really quite believe that he is that guy I mean we talk about Derek Carr all the time and we talk about his one good season was 2016 Cam Newton has had multiple seasons where he was really good I mean I know 2011 he was rookie of the year offensive rookie of the year and he's done some good things he's led his team into the playoffs I get that but I never thought that Cam Newton, as much as I like him as a person, as much as I like him as a player, I think he's really fun. I think he's very athletic. I think he brings a lot to the table. There's a lot of things that he doesn't do that well as well. I mean, that's just that's just my person personal feeling on it. I don't think he throws a deep ball very well. I don't think that he throws guys open very well. I think he gets the slant. He hits the, the slant pretty good. And any of those little uh, short crossing routes, he does pretty well. And he checks the ball down really well. What does that sound like to most people, most Raider fans? Sounds like what Derek Carr does really well, right? I mean, because a lot of people say, well, he doesn't extend the ball down the field. Neither does Cam Newton. You know, and I get it. In New England, you don't really have to extend the ball down the field. The, the Patriots are very comfortable with the crossing routes. The Patriots are very comfortable with the slants. They're very comfortable dumping the ball off to the back, out of the backfield. I get that. They're very comfortable doing what right now Derek Carr does really, really well in, in uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders that everyone gets so frustrated about. But the, the X factor he has is he has his legs. He has the athletic ability to, to uh, when a pray, play breaks down, he can he could be that guy. I totally get that. And that's, that's where I believe that he has an advantage because he has that. But now he's got to be 100% healthy. He's got to be a lot healthier than he's been the last couple of years. He's had a shoulder surgery. He's had plantar fasciitis on the feet. And ask Tyrell Williams how that goes. I mean, he's had a whole lot of issues going on. That doesn't mean that Cam is all of a sudden going to be Superman 2015. He had an MVP season, one season, 2015. Besides that, his accuracy has been throughout his career very, very so-so. It's it's there and then it's not. I mean, you know, he's never really that that uh that been great at accuracy. And I'll tell you, his throwing motion, even though he gets it done, it's always looked so awkward to me. It just always has looked so awkward. Again, it doesn't matter how it looks as long as you get it done, right? So that's that's not really a, a knock against him, but. I don't believe, and I heard my co-host, or not my co-host, but uh, the guy who comes on, and I think I said this on a Tuesday show, the guy who follows me on the radio on ESPN Central Texas, Matt Mosley, said uh, that the addition to Cam Newton makes the Patriots go from seven wins to 11. And I, guys, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't understand where that rationale and that thinking comes from, especially since this is the offseason. And I know they haven't hit training camp yet, but this has been a strange offseason. He's going into a new system. He's going to have to learn the Patriot way, and the Patriots are going to have to learn the Cam Newton way. It's not going to be, you know, just, oh, okay, we're going to slide this guy in, and he's going to do what Tom Brady did last year. They're going to have to adapt and change their offense to fit him as well. So I just think there's a big learning curve, and I, I just don't know how quickly Cam Newton's going to be able to catch up to speed and how quickly uh, the, the Patriots are going to be able to catch him up to speed, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. And so that's going to be interesting. But those are just some of my thoughts on it. Now, 
Mike DeBate, he's the host of, uh, of Locked On Patriots. He's been on this podcast before. We've had some good conversations. He's a really good dude. He was on my show on ESPN Central Texas on Monday. We were talking about it. So one of the questions that I asked him, and I want you to hear this, I said, what changed? Why did the Patriots change their opinion on Jarrett Stidham, the guy that, hey, they're going to go in, into the season with Stidham as their quarterback, even though I didn't believe that either. That's what they were selling. That's what they were trying to say. So what changed? What change about Jared Stidham that made them go out and say, we need to go sign Cam Newton? I think a couple of things. I don't think this was an indictment on Jared Stidham in any okay. way, shape, or form. I don't think the Patriots looked at him and said, no, nah, he's not our guy. I don't feel comfortable with him. We better go in a different direction. I think they're still very committed to Jared, and I think he actually has a chance to compete and maybe even win the starting job, although I think if all things are equal and both of these guys are clicking on all cylinders and they're playing both at their potential, I go with Cam Newton in this situation, if for no other reason than experience and raw talent, I think, gives him uh, you know, the upper hand. But at the same time, I think what changed is the Patriots saw that Cam's demands had come down from a contract. They looked at the type of contract they could sign him to and said, this is reasonable. We can work within the parameters of the salary cap to be able to get him under contract and make sure that he, uh, you know, uh, he fits in our system. According to my sources with, with the Patriots' salary cap, his cap number should be no higher than $1.4 million this year and will likely be just a tad over a million dollars. That's reasonable within the Patriots' mm -hmm. uh, organization, and they can do it. The other thing I think that changed is maybe they're looking at Jared as someone that might need a bit more development, maybe even a bit more of a push in terms of realizing his potential. Don't forget, there's been an off-season that's been tumultuous. Right. There's been virtual workouts. There haven't been mini camps. There haven't been rookie camps. These guys, especially a young quarterback like Jared Stidham, who for all intents and purposes, guys, is a rookie, has to come in and lead a team that was quarterbacked by an icon for the last 20 years. That's a tall task to put on anybody's shoulders. If Jared's feeling that pressure, having Cam Newton there takes some of it off. So in a lot of ways, I don't think it was an indictment on, um, on Jarrett. I think it was an opportunity to improve the quarterback position. And look, from a Patriots standpoint, if you can get Cam Newton at even 75 to 80% of what he was in his best days in Carolina, you're looking at a very good offense this year. Okay, so he's not really taking it as a shot to Jarrett Stidham. It's more like, okay, he might need a little bit more developing before they, uh, you know, before they decide that to pull the trigger and let him be the guy moving forward. Now, one thing that stood out to me about Jarrett Stidham in 2019, the Patriots were up, and they were whooping tail, and I forget what team they were beating. They had pulled Tom Brady and put Jarrett Stidham in there, and uh, he threw, oh, it was the Jets. It was a threat, Jets, because he threw a pick six to, uh, to Jamal Adams, and uh, as soon as he threw that pick six, they put Brady back in the game and pulled Stidham. That told me right then and there, exactly what they thought of Jarrett Stidham, but that is just my opinion. So uh, anyway, that was Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, his thoughts on what made the Patriots go out and, and make that move and sign Cam Newton. So the next question, I believe my, my co-host Steven Simcox asked this one, how much of a challenge is it going to be, if any, to get in and, and be able to fit in with around Cam Newton, what his skill set does? You know what I mean? What makes them comfortable? How is it going to make them comfortable with Cam Newton's skill set so they can complement each other? How big of a challenge, if any, is that going to be? That will be a challenge. And if there is a challenge, other than Cam's health and making sure that his shoulder and his feet are healthy and ready to withstand the rigors of approximately a 16-game season, that's the caveat right now is, is he going to have enough time to endear himself to his offense, make sure that he works well with his offensive line, make sure that he works well with his receivers, his running backs, his tight end. That's going to be a big challenge. If there is a guy with a football acumen that can come in and be able to do it, 
and the reputation to command the respect he's going to need to do it, it's Cam Newton. He's got the, uh, the, the pedigree behind it. So I think he's up for the challenge. But again, it's still a challenge. And until you actually do it on the field, you have to reserve judgment. So I'm hopeful when it comes to that for Cam, but it is a concern, and I think it's a good one. So that goes back to one of the concerns that I had, that I don't think it's going to be easy, especially this offseason, to get everybody on the same page. So that's already one knock right there. That's one big major concern that you hear that Mike had and uh, kind of wants to see how the challenge of, of, of doing that, fitting everybody into each other's skill set, how that's going to work. Well, the final quote I want you to hear, I believe is the most important one. Now, I didn't ask him about the landscape of the whole AFC because I didn't really, I wasn't, again, thinking about the Patriots as uh, a big deal, a big-time player. And look, I know they got Bill Belichick still as their head coach, and every time you count out the, the Patriots is when they come back and show you that, hey, don't, don't put dirt on us yet, we're not dead. But my question to Mike, my final question was, how does the addition to Cam change the landscape of the AFC East? Well, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail from my fellow Patriots brethren here. I still think the AFC East right now is Buffalo Bills, uh, uh division to lose, basically. Uh, I love the the, uh, the acquisitions that they made. I think that all in all, Cam now changes the complexity of the quarterback depth chart when it comes to the AFC East. All of a sudden, I don't believe the Patriots are in the bottom of the barrel when it comes to that. Um, I had my doubts about whether that was true anyway. I'm, I'm high on Jarrett watching uh, you know, him in practice and having been able to cover him last year and see what the kid can do. But now with Cam Newton in the mix, you have to think that the Patriots are no longer the cellar dwellers when it comes to that. Um, at the same time, though, Buffalo has a very formidable off, uh, defense. They have uh, a great you know, offense, a much better offense than I think they get credit for. I think Josh Allen's familiarity with his teammates is going to serve him better in a season like this than maybe even Cam coming in and being able to play with some new teammates in, uh, in New England. So I still give Buffalo the edge in this division, but... If history's taught us anything, folks, that do not count the New England Patriots <laughs> out. Just when you think they're out, they'll pull you back in, and they'll do it as only they can do it. So I think it makes things a lot more interesting, but I still look for the Bills to be the class of this division. And I'm right there with them, Raider Nation. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm being a fool, and maybe I'll have to come back later and be like, man, that Cam Newton killed it, and boy, the, the Patriots were so, so smart to go ahead and get him. But I still look at the AFC East as the Bills division. I really, really do. If there's a team that I'm most concerned about in the AFC East, it's the Buffalo Bills, not the New England Patriots, even after the addition of Cam Newton. And you heard Mike debate right there, host of Locked On Patriots, been around the team for a long, long time, covers them, does a really, really good job. He doesn't even believe that the addition of Cam Newton is going to make the Patriots the, you know, the, the favorites in the AFC East. So I just don't know how it really changes the dynamic of the AFC period. And I don't think it affects the Raiders. I think the only thing that affects the Raiders is the team that they look up at. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. That's all that really should affect them. They shouldn't be thinking about the Patriots. They shouldn't worry about Cam Newton and I don't think they are. I think the only thing that they need to concern themselves, especially this year, is the AFC West. How to at least split a game with Kansas City and I do believe they will. I've said it before. I think that they win that week five game right before their bye in Kansas City. It's on the road. I get it. It's not going to be an easy game. It's not going to be an easy environment but that's the game I think that they win because the second game that they play against the Chiefs that's in Las Vegas which would be ideal to win that game right you would think that maybe they have advantage at home but that's coming off of a bye week for Kansas City and we all know the track record of Andy Reid coming off the bye week and it is not good for the opponent and the opponent is the Raiders so I'm thinking that they split with the Chiefs this year and then when they do get that win it's going to be week five heading into their bye week and I think that'll give them a nice bolt of energy going into the bye week they can get recharged and refreshed and worry about the rest of the season and that's again 
if the season gets started week one, like we all expect to do in Carolina against the Panthers. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't see it Raider nation. Uh, and of course I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'd love to get your feedback on it. Definitely respect all your opinions, but I just kind of saw a lot of people starting to hit the panic button and thinking, Oh, the Patriots are back. No doubt about it. They're going to, you know, be in the playoffs because uh, Cam Newton's there. And I, I haven't seen anything from Cam Newton since 2015, since he was in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50 and lost it to uh, the Denver Broncos. I haven't seen anything since that Super Bowl appearance that lets me say, oh, yeah, he's still Superman and he's going to take you to the next level. Now, again, he's highly motivated. He's highly angry. He's upset. He's, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of edge to him. I get that. Apparently, he's in really good shape, but that's fine. I mean, how long does that, can that fuel you all season long? Does that fuel you for a little while, the first couple weeks of the season? What? I don't know. So we'll have to see. But uh, we'd love to get your feedback on it. 707-654-4693. Of course, that's voicemail line or text line. Whatever you want to do, it is all good. But uh, I think that the biggest uh, concern for the Raiders in 2020 in the AFC is not Cam Newton and the Patriots. It's what they do in the AFC West. Segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. That's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, July 1st, 2020. It's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up. That'll never get old. That will never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever get old as far as I'm concerned. Always the first of the month. Every single time I'm working on the first of the month, like I will be later on today on ESPN Central Texas, when I do my Cover 3 segment, I guarantee I use the first of the month uh, music, the the Bone Thugs and Harmony, the soundtrack, the instrumental with the wake up, wake up, wake up, it's the first of the month. I mean, that's that's traditional. I, I cannot help myself every single time it's the first of the month. As long as I'm working, as long as I'm at the radio station that day, if it's Monday through Friday, I always use that instrumental I got to do it. It's just one of those things. Like I said, it's a classic. It'll never get old. And what won't get old either is hearing from you. I love hearing from you straight off the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. And the reason I have this, some people don't know, like, why do you do texts and calls and tweets and all that stuff? Because I want to treat this like my radio show. I wish I could do it three hours long, three hours strong, like I do my radio show every single day, Monday through Friday. But obviously I can't. The powers that be that tell me, uh, no, that's not a good idea. But I want to get interaction just like I do on the show. We get a lot of text messages. We get a lot of calls on the show. I like to hear from other people because it's not just about what I say. It also has to do with what you say, what your thoughts are. You know, what are your questions? How would you like to chime in? I treat this as a radio show, even though it is a podcast, but I want you to feel like this is something that if you can get in your car, boom, you could pop it on and listen to it just like you would listen to uh, the radio, a sports talk station. That's just how I like to do things. So that's the reason why I have this segment with calls and texts at 707-654-4693. So let's go ahead and stop jibber-jabbering, and let's go ahead and get right into it. The first call comes from Jordan in Oregon. Calling for a few reasons. One, to talk about my Monday uh, podcast, segment number two, uh, the Black Lives Matter conversation and the the issue that I had with due to my job. Then he talks about Cam Newton to the Patriots and what he believes Cam still has left in the tank. Here he is, Jordan from Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon here. Just wanted to call in and Give you a shout-out for uh, the Monday episode. Love the passion you brought, man. Uh, once again, you've proven that you're, you're a guy that speaks from his heart. and doesn't matter what the issue is. If you've got an issue, you're going to talk about it. To me, that, that's absolutely ridiculous for this, this fellow to be making a mockery of something that uh, is so important in this country. And it, it literally 
kind of drives home the point that this whole movement's about, which is people just aren't taking this serious enough. And, um, yeah, I love everything you said. I love the passion you brought. And I can tell you're fired up, rightfully so. I'll be watching from afar to see how this all plays out. There better be some major retracting and some major learning. Um, people need to learn from this. That's not cool. It's unacceptable, completely unacceptable to try to use that platform that's being created for people to be more educated on a, on a, you know, whole country problem, whole global problem, you know, it's not just in America that, that racism is going on, it's everywhere. And so I find that just completely out of line with that fellow has done. But uh, also one on a football note to mention, I can't believe Cam Newton to the Patriots. Uh, I should say I can believe it's a very Patriot move for them to, to kind of dive into some old, old, uh, used up, uh, I guess you could say they always find a way to, to find somebody who's on the back, maybe into their career and revive it. Um, I think Cam's got a lot more left in the tank. Uh, as soon as the surface, I even kind of did a little digging and, and, uh, you know, they're signing them to a one year deal and he, the dude looks completely ripped right now. Like he's, he's been going all out. He's got a chip on his shoulder, lots of proof, and uh, I think this is, is a, a win move for the Patriots. I just want to get your take on that. Um, it, it definitely, as much as I uh, I dislike the Patriots, I think it's good for the NFL. That's one more exciting storyline. We're going to be playing the Patriots. I wondered if that uh, changes your take on, on us getting possibly the dub, and we're going into Foxborough for that particular game. And, yeah, it's a great move for the NFL, great move for Cam Newton. Um, I hate to say this, but if Patriots got a lot better today, I didn't believe that Sidman was the guy. Um, he's, he's definitely going to be the backup, in my opinion. But I just want to get your thoughts on that. Anyway, peace out, Q. Hope you're doing well, man. There he is. That's my guy, Jordan in Oregon. Thank you for the support on Monday's show. I really appreciate that. And as far as Cam, you know, I'm not sold on him being that great. Something that I was talking about in segment number two of today's show. I just, again, I could be really, really wrong. I just don't feel it. You know, we're, we're kind of waiting to see if Cam could get back to 2015, Cam. And I don't, I just don't see it. So we'll see. We'll absolutely see. But thank you for your call. Thank you for your comments. Next up is a text from Big O from AZ. Before I get into Big O's text, I got to hit the alarm one time. Because Big O from AZ is a new booty. He said, Q, Big O from AZ, I just want to give you prop for Monday's show. Good job for being a leader and speaking out on what is right. Hope all went well and you still got a job and the jackass who started all that gets what they deserve. Just wanted your thoughts on Gunther. I liked him when we hired him. I believe in his scheme. He's been working with no tools in the toolbox. With that being said, now with some tools, do you believe he's on the hot seat this season if the defense is again ranked toward the bottom? Appreciating what you do, Q. Much love, Raider Nation, again from Big O from AZ. And Big O, thank you so much for the text. Thanks for being a part of the Locked On Raiders podcast family, my man. I definitely appreciate that. And uh, also thank you for the support on Monday's show. And I'll kind of give you an update on how everything's going with that towards the end of uh, today's show. As far as Gunther goes, 
I like him as well. I do. And even though there was a time in, uh, what, 2018? Yeah, 2018 when I was furious at him. It was that Thursday night game after uh, they played San Francisco in San Francisco, the last battle of the Bay. And, man, the, the, the Raiders just got waxed. And it was with a third-string quarterback. It was just embarrassing. And I, I wanted him to be fired that day. That was my initial you know, reaction, just fury, fire in my heart. You know, I just wanted him to to be out of there. But I, I like Gunther. I think he can get it done. And you hit it on the head. He's been dealing with no tools. Even with the good players that they picked up in 2019 by way of the draft, I think they did a good job with that. It's, they still were rookies, and you were asking a whole lot. I do believe he has a lot more tools in the toolbox. Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski are two major pieces in my in my book. I really do believe that they're going to work some wonders. And Malik Collins on the defensive line, I think he's going to be a solid player as well. Uh, Carl Nassib, he's going to provide some really good depth. Uh, so I, I think that the pieces are there. If Paul Gunther's going to do it, He's going to get it done this year. And not to mention Rob Marinelli's there as a defensive line coach. I think that that's only going to help this Raiders team. Uh, I think that his presence there also lets Gunther know that, hey, this guy could take over as defensive coordinator. He's been there, done that. But I, th- I know, as I know Rod Marinelli, I know he's not big and cares about titles. He just wants to get to work and get things done. I mean, he turned over the defensive uh, coordinator title to, uh, to Chris Richard when he was in Dallas and basically said, hey, you can go ahead and call the plays. I'm just going to run the scheme. So... I think that the uh, I think that the the what the dynamic between Gunther and Marinelli will be really really good. I don't really think he's on a hot seat to say the, the least. But if the defense is looking like it's just getting worked, you know, and it's like halfway through the season, then you know, all of a sudden, Rod Marinelli, you may see him step up and really kind of take charge and maybe call some of the defensive scheme. Uh, we'll see. But I, I don't really think it's too much of a hot seat. I, I just kind of think it's like Tom Cable, like, hey. By the way, you got some guys now that should be able to fit and help out what you're trying to do, go to work. And that's what Tom Cable did last year when he got Trent Brown, Richie Incognito, and got some more pieces to that offensive line, and they were a lot better than the year before. I expect Paul Gunther to make that defensive scheme jump in 2020, similar to what Tom Cable did with the O-line in 2019. Thank you so much for that text. I really, really appreciate that. Next up, let's go back to the phone line. Let's get a call from Grump-Ass Mexican. He's calling to chime in on Monday's show, segment number two that I dedicated to being upset about the whole bar live matter as opposed to black lives matter here he is grump ass mexican sharing his thoughts hey q grumpy ass mexican here man I just caught up on yesterday's podcast and bro let me just tell you man you hit it right on the nail you were on point excuse my cussing man but seriously shout out to you man you did great awesome way to put your you know voice out on a platform and stuff and let everybody heard he heard and stuff awesome about what you did and stuff. I totally agree with you. I've been a situation where people talk about smack and shit, but they don't always, you know, taking stuff as a joke. It's not a joke, man. Everybody right now is just on pins and needles, and you got idiots that do stuff like this. But anyways, Q, hell of a job. Hell of a job, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, God bless you and your family. And like I said, Raider Nation for life. Grumpy-ass Mexican out. Thank you, my man. It's good to hear from you. And, yeah, man, it's a shame. Uh, The whole Bar Lives Matter thing pissed me off. Uh, A lot of people had support. There were some people who didn't. There were some that pushed back and were just, you know, thought that I was being sensitive or being, you know, I don't know, just complaining about something and, you know, all that other stuff. And that's okay. You know, everyone doesn't have to agree with me. That's fine. That's, you know, everyone has their own opinion. I'm okay with that, but I shared mine. Uh, And, you know, it was a shame that on, uh, on Tuesday I actually saw Bar Lives Matter trending on Twitter on Tuesday and that was really really disappointing and that all had to come from the state of Texas man there was protests going on down at the state capitol and and that's what people were saying and again man just really really disappointed 
that that's what happened, but it is what it is. And yeah, uh, it, it, I guess that's all I could say. It is what it is. Thank you so much for your call, my man. It's good to hear from you. Next up is a text from Riverview Raider. Q, what's up, buddy? It's the Riverview Raider out of Riverview, Florida. Man, trade whatever picks we need to acquire Jamal Adams. Not like Gruden and Mayock been killing the first round anyways. Not trying to be negative, but pretty sure we'd all rather have Derwin James instead of Miller, Josh Allen over Furl. The only reason they say somewhat did good last year was Jacobs. Anyway, man, good work. Really enjoy the show. That comes from Riverview. Riverview Raider. Thank you so much for the text, my man. And look, I'm not going to say give up any picks. I say because of the depth and because of where the Raiders are right now and how they're looking right now as far as uh, the roster being built, I feel like you can give up a first and a third for Adams. Now, I will say as much as I... I poo-pooed on the Colton Miller pick. It turned out to be a good one. Derwin James was the guy that got banged up and injured and missed most of the season last year for the Chargers. Uh, Colton Miller only improved. I mean, I didn't like that pick. I'll be the first to admit it. I was there in Arlington when they made it. Didn't like it. Josh Allen over Farrell uh, is still, I guess, to be determined. Obviously, Josh Allen had a better rookie year. Uh, Clee Farrell, I believe, was brought in, though, for more than just production on the field. He was also brought in to bring the uh, the culture, change the culture of the Raiders as far as getting some leadership on the field that they were really, really missing and lacking. I do believe that's another reason why he was the pick. So uh, it's not always the sexy pick, and I have to teach myself that sometimes. It's not always a sexy pick. You've got to build the foundation before you're able to you know, get the, get the nice additions on to the home if you know what I'm talking about Josh Jacobs of course he was nice we'll see what uh we'll see what uh Jonathan Abram brings this year uh, he was another guy and uh you know also see what the, the Raiders did with the first round picks this year you know Henry Ruggs looks like he's going to be a good a big time player got a lot of speed and I like Damon Arnett I know a lot of people are kind of iffy on him I like Damon Arnett I think he's going to be a heck of a player for the Raiders now I could totally be missing the boat on him too but either way I understand what you're saying uh, as far as Jamal Adams goes, who's a guy that I really want to for the Raiders to go make a move for, give up a first and a third for him, and I'm okay. <laughs> Simple as that. Next up, and I think it's going to actually be the final call of the show, uh, is going to be a call from T3 Raider Facts, his five quick hits of the day. Uh, really good call, talking Lynn Bowden Jr. and the issue outside of his grandma's house uh, and the rush to judgment on uh, if he was guilty or not. Uh, the movies, Boys in the Hood and The Hate You Give, Jamal Adams Trade, a 12-game season, and then he sends a message to me as well. T3 Raider Facts, closing us out today. This is T3 Raider Facts and my five quick hits of the day. Number one, Q, let me say this. When the news first hit about Lynn Bowden Jr., a lot of people rushed to judgment. And even before beginning to assemble any of the facts in the case, many people convicted young Mr. Bowden for one reason and for one reason only. And we all know what that one reason was and continues to be. I'm just saying. Number two, I saw two movies over the weekend, Boys in the Hood and The Hate You Give. I got to tell you, I had a tear coming down my cheek. Maybe it was a moment of clarity for me. It could have been a lot of things coming at me in a flood. But I have to stand up now and not apologize for being white, but apologize for not challenging my whiteness to speak with this entitled voice I've been given, to speak for others who don't have that luxury or that benefit. Change happens slowly, but if I do all within my power to help move that needle, well, for now, that's something. Number three, back to football. The Jamal Adams things ain't happening. He's really trying to force the Jets' hand right now, and there's, there's a team out there somewhere who's going to overpay. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up going to a team like the Indianapolis Colts. Draft capital cannot be sacrificed, especially next year, where I really feel the Raiders will need to select a quarterback in either round one or two. If the Jets would accept a one and a three, I'd go with that. Anything more? I would say no. 
Number four, as far as the season goes, I see a 12-game schedule. This will throw a lot of monkey wrenches into the machine and slow it down, but we can still make it work. This means that your season opener would be at Kansas City. Then two weeks later, the Raiders' first home game in Vegas would be against Brady and the Bucks. Number five, OKQ, it's just you and me, and I'm up on my soapbox. I'm proud of you, all the work you've done for sports, sports radio, life in general, and, of course, the Raider Nation. You've helped me dip my toe into podcasting and even into Twitter. Wherever you go, you will go there with class. Whatever you do, you will do it with high work ethic. And whatever happens, keep your passion and maybe a few extra built bars in your bag. Stay safe, Raider Nation. Black lives matter. There is no place for hate. Justice should be for everyone. And Raider passion lives on. And remember, passion always outlives fashion. T3, thank you for that call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. A lot of good stuff there. Appreciate the message to me. Uh, the 12-game season, that's a strong possibility. Uh, it did kind of intrigue me when you said that you think that the Raiders are going to need that first-round draft pick uh, to draft a quarterback next season. That's very, very interesting. Maybe that's something that we can get into, have that conversation a little bit later down the road. But I really think that the thing that stood out to me the most about your call, and this is why it's going to be the last one of the day because I'm probably going to go uh, on one of my, not rant, but I'll talk about it probably longer than I should, is talking about the movies, The Boys in the Hood and The Hate You Give, and in particular, The Hate You Give, man. That is such a good movie. I am not the guy that you should come to and say, hey, Q, what's a good movie I should watch? Because I'm not that movie dude. I'm just not. I don't watch very many movies. It's usually sports with me that I'm always watching, listening to on the radio, whatever. I'm usually dialed in on sports. But that movie, the wife suggested me watch that one day. We watched it at the house, The Hate You Give. And man, there's certain movies and maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. I don't know. But man, that movie got me. There's something that just started tugging at my heartstrings in that movie. That is a really, really, really excellent movie. And you talk about, you know, tears in your eyes. I damn near had them as well on that movie. The Hate You Give, if you have not seen that, um, it comes on. It's on RTV all the time. Uh, wife, what channel does The Hate You Give come on? The Hate You Give, the movie that we watch, what channel does it come on a lot? Okay, it's on our HBO a lot, so you don't even have to go buy it. Just go check it out. If you see it, if you scroll through HBO and you happen to see it, The Hate You Give, watch it. You will not be disappointed. It is a good, good, good movie. And man, that that one, T3, you hit it on the head. Uh, again, that's why you're going to have to close things out today because that's that's all I got. That was a good one. So uh, thank you so much for that call. Uh, I still got a text from Big Raider Big. A really good text. I got to share that with you. Got a very passionate call from my man Joe in Arizona, but I'll save that for tomorrow's show. No worries. We still got a couple more days. Got a lot to get in, and we will. Going to have some special guests coming up. Matter of fact, on Thursday's show, I'm expecting to have an appearance from NFL Network's MJ Acosta. And uh, yeah, well, no, maybe I think she's on Friday. Yeah, I think she's going to be on friday so anyway i don't want to jump the gun but uh yeah i got some special special shows planned for you i might do a throwback thursday show tomorrow and i might save it for saturday i'm not sure anyway i gotta sleep on it and think about it so there's a lot of things brewing in my head right now raider nation so i'm just gonna have to like i said just sit on it but uh that's gonna do it for today's show now that you're done with this show you can tell your smart device to play the latest locked on fantasy football and be back with us on thursday and uh until then raider nation as always just win baby